Scott, have a seat. I want to be where he is, too. I hope you do. Welcome. We see we have some visitors that came in this morning. A young man is Perspective Whitworth student. Raise your hand. All right. Go Pirates! <laughs> if you are a first-time person here in the chapel, raise your hand. Oh, all right. So glad that you are here. A couple announcements. Hosanna, blessed be the rock. Hosanna, all right. Right here tonight at 945. Late for me, good for you. <laughs> then awake. When you wake up early in the morning, remember, awake is on tomorrow. At 930, it is now in the hub. So go over and fellowship. Then on Friday night, for 21 years, I have been putting on the gospel explosion. If you've not been, if you've not been, you need to come. We have 14 participants and choirs and dancers, and we're excited. And our theme is Raising the Roof with Praise. Seriously, this place is so packed, it goes all the way to the back. So if you want to have a good time, come to Raise the Roof in Praise. Can I get a? Y'all know what to do. Uh-huh. And now, let us go to the throne of grace. Lord, as we travel through this journey called life, uh, help us as we work together to build your kingdom. Help us to be the light that leads the world to you. And may we be good role models to the people around us so that when they see you and your love within us, they would want to know you more and more. So, Lord, grant us the patience to work together. Bring us all together as the family of God. And finally, help us to work together with understanding and compassion in our hearts. And, Father, we thank you for Forrest this morning as he brings us the most precious word in the world, the word of God. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Steffi. So good. Hey, it's so great to be back together with y'all. I've been looking forward to this, and it's so good to be here. Hey, there's, there's plenty of seats up here and up here. If anyone wants a seat, there are lots of seats in this section up here. Or feel free to hang out back there. It's great. <laughs> we had, our family had a great break, Christmas break. Hope you all did. If we haven't seen you, we had some pictures here. We had a little good time of Christmas time uh, at our house. And then we on Christmas Day, we traveled down to Texas and and there's a Spokane Airport on our way down. And then in Colorado on Christmas Day, the next one, you see us on a train. There's a lot happening in that picture. Just, just take it in for a second. <laughs> Esther spinning. Bella's mid-run. River's just chilling with a Santa hat on. I hope you had a great Christmas. And we had a, a great jam term here. For those of you who are here, we had a great time together. And those of you who weren't here, we missed you. And I got to, I got to go visit uh, Tall Timber and see that crew, but I didn't have the privilege of visiting uh, Costa Rica and Guatemala and Panama and Greece and, and uh, England and France, so uh, maybe next time. But uh, I've heard, already heard many great stories of all kinds of great things that went on over those trips, and so good. Keep sharing those stories. It so, so enriches all of us. But I am so excited for us to be back at full strength. I love campus being full, all of us being here and joining together in this community, worship together. It's a gift, and I'm delighted to do that. And this semester, I'm excited about what we're going to be studying together as we worship God in lots of different ways. 
we're going to be looking at the book of Revelation. And for me, that's a, that's a book that at, at first and often can feel kind of intimidating, almost inaccessible. What do we do with the book of Revelation? Is it, how do we access it? In some ways, it reminds me of, um, you ever seen the dogs with those invisible collars? You ever seen those? Where they, they, they bury the, the line, and then when the dog comes to that spot, you know, it comes to the spot, and this is, oh, yikes. And then, you know, depending how smart the dog is or how perseverant it is, you know, it takes five or ten or twenty times. But eventually, the dog pulls away and says, I'm not going there anymore. I think sometimes that's how we feel with Revelation. Maybe, maybe it was a bad experience, and we just tried to read it and said, this doesn't make any sense to me. Or maybe some some weird, strange, esoteric teaching, or maybe watching some old Kirk Cameron movie about, you know, <laughs> about how this is all going to play out in some, with grasshoppers that look like soldiers, and, and, or maybe it was just some, someone you've heard of the kind of the abuses of the church, the way the church has predicted again and again how it's all going to end and, and use Revelation as its backing and hasn't ended. And whatever it is, those shocks that have come, we eventually often just say, okay, I'm, I'm done. I, I, I'm just not going to go there. And so we just, we, we leave it. In some ways, that, that invisible fence, sorry, I'm going to take your stool. There's another one over there, though. <laughs> Help yourself. In some ways, I think that, that invisible fence, I want to kind of just bring it to light a little. Instead of letting it be invisible, it's kind of like this. It's like these, these balloons in my face. Like, I can't see you very well because I got these things in the way that are keeping me from seeing you. This is what happens to us with the book of Revelation. We have these things in the way that, get, that stop us, prevent us from accessing this part of the Bible that's here for a reason. And so this morning, I just want to take a look at that. Let's take a look at it. What are some of these big barriers to our accessing and looking at Revelation? What's stopping us? We've got to get these out of the way so we can dive in this semester and, have, and see what God has for us. And so we're going to dive into some of these myths some of these untruths about Revelation that have gotten in the way. But before we do, we're going to read uh, Revelation 1, 1 through 4. You know how I like, I like reading it together. So I would invite you, if you could, read out loud. It'll be on the screen. Let's read Revelation 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Amen. Thank you. All right. This is kind of annoying, right? <laughs> it's kind of hard, kind of distracting. Let's, 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 let's look at these. All right. This one looks like the biggest one. The biggest myth, the biggest untruth about Revelation, Revelation that gets in the way is us thinking that Revelation is this esoteric script for how it specifically facts about how the world's going to end. That's the myth. We think it's, 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 it's about telling the future, crystal ball. Here's, here's how it's going to work in this and this and this detail. That's the first myth I want to talk about this morning. And there, this one is so big. This one probably is the biggest one that gets in the way. And there are a few different facts, truths that we need to get at. And the first one is this. Revelation, we just saw it. It's a letter. Revelation isn't this prediction crystal ball. It's a letter to a specific people at a specific time. 
by a specific person, the pastor John, who cares about these people. Going, and these people are going through specific circumstances of life. And so just like every letter, just like Paul's letters, grace and peace to you. And it says, remember verse 4, to the seven churches. These seven churches would have had this letter actually circulate around, and it would be read aloud. Blessed is the one who reads it, and then the ones who hear it, those sitting here, who hear this word proclaimed at these seven churches will hear more about this semester. It's a letter written to specific people. And so it's, it's not just this idea from what out there. It's concrete. It's meant to mean something for them and then through them by the Spirit for the whole church, us today. There's a message for us in this today. Not just about someday, but right now, today, the revelation the book of Revelation for today. That's the first truth about this one, but it's so big, there's another truth I want to say. This, it, it's not only that Revelation, we have to understand, it's not just a letter, but it's also a prophecy. And so we say, okay, yeah, of course, right, that's what I meant. You know, it's a prophecy about what's going to happen right in the future and how, how it's all going to play out. Kind of. But see, we have to remember that biblical prophecy isn't primarily about predicting the future. Biblical prophecy is almost always about calling people back to faithfulness to God now. Stop doing what you're doing. Stop turning away from God. Stop hurting your neighbors. Love God and care about the things he cares about and care about justice and people and love your neighbor. This is biblical prophecy. So instead of thinking about predicting uh, little details of the future, think about John the Baptist out in the wilderness with his big shaggy beard and his great man bun. He would fit in it. It worked so well. And... <laughs> And, and he's out there with his camel hair and his leather, and he's eating grasshoppers dipped in honey. And he's saying, repent! The kingdom of God is near! You have brood of vipers? What are you doing? Get back to God! That's the picture of a biblical prophet. So it says, words of this prophecy, think of that. It's a call, come back to God and care about the things God cares about. Justice and love for neighbor and purity and holy. Be what God wants. That's the second fact about this one. And the last one about this, this one, this big untruth about this being just a predictor of the future, is we have to understand that Revelation is written a specific genre of literature. Sorry, it, but some of you English majors are going to love this. It's a genre, remember that word, of, of the apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic literature, they, the people hearing this would know this genre, this way of thinking and, and talking that was very common for about 400 years around Jesus, uh, around Jesus when Jesus lived. And this the genre of literature is not primarily meant to convey facts. It's meant to bring about an experience and evoke and give meaning. Meaning and experience. So it's not trying to give us facts. It's more like poetry. I know, I know some of you all were at Propaganda last night, you know. And, and when Propaganda was talking last night, remember some of you heard, he was talking about coffee beans. Remember the coffee bean one? And, and, he, and how coffee beans, he was telling a story of how it related to his, his mother's experience as an African-American woman. And it was beautiful. But it wasn't, at the end of it, you wouldn't say, oh, an African-American woman is a coffee bean. No. You say, oh, now I understand better what the experience of an African-American woman in America is. Because of this picture that the poetry gave us. That's what the apocalyptic genre is helping us do. It's, it's bringing a, a, a meaning and experience, not detailed facts about what's going to happen someday. Or it's, like, it's like, kind of like science fiction. If you, if you heard someone talking about, light, uh, uh, about, about Ewoks and laser guns, you wouldn't say, oh, uh, well, let's see. I'm going to figure out what, what the Ewoks descended from and how they could possibly be, and how is it that lasers shoot people? 
you'd say, oh, Star Wars, cool, fun. You get the meaning. You get the, you get the, the experience. You don't try to make it about facts. That's what it's about. And so this book of Revelation isn't about predicting the future. It's not. <laughs> One down. <laughs> Number two. Number two. Revelation is just too confusing to be useful. All right? This is a, myth. This is a second untruth. It's too confusing to be useful. I can't, you get in there and there, and there, there are creatures with eyes, every, eyes and, there, and there's these massive earthquakes and locusts and what's happening, beasts and dragons and seven-headed monsters and what is going on. It's too confusing. I can't be useful. Some of you know, I got to, I got to study and spend a lot of time with, with John Calvin, the 500 years ago reformer, and I spent time with his writings. And, and John, John and I have a friendship, and, and he, he wrote commentaries in almost every book of the Bible except Revelation. And I think it's probably because I don't think he saw it as being useful. I think really he just didn't get how it could be useful. But we heard it, blessed is the one who reads aloud these words and hears it. It says that, and also the church said this book needs to be included in our scripture. This is useful for us. The church put the same approval. This is inspired by God. This is something for us. So I think sometimes it might be like this. Maybe because that first balloon that's gone now, we had the wrong glasses on. My daughter Esther just got glasses a few months ago, and we went to a football game, and she said, oh, this is so much more enjoyable. I can see the ball now. <laughs> that makes sense. We had no idea she couldn't see the ball the rest of the time. I think we've had the wrong glasses on, and so we try to read Revelation. It's so, it's so unhelpful. How am I going to figure out what the seven-horned beast thing is, and what am I going to do with that? Instead, it's actually a truly simple message of Revelation. It can be summarized this way. The first three lines of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. You are the one true God, the holy God, the real creator God. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. This is the message of Revelation. It's not some crazy, confusing thing. It's simple. God is the one true God and King. Live accordingly. That's the message of Revelation. It doesn't have to be crazy. It's useful. <laughs> Number three. You were ready that time. Revelation is written to Christians who are only suffering, only, only to Christians who are suffering persecution. So if it's only written to people who are, who are being persecuted, well then, how, doesn't, how am I going to do some backflips to make it apply to me in America where I'm not really in danger of being killed for my faith, right? Most of us don't experience that, at least not here. And that's partially true. It is definitely written to encourage Christians who are suffering, who might suffer, and it has provided incredible encouragement for Christians through the ages People who need encouragement and say, it's, it's worth it. God's got you. Even if you die, your, wit your death will, will witness to the glory of God and the, the, uh, the reign of the Lamb, Jesus. But it's not only written to people who are suffering. It's actually really clearly, Revelation is written really clearly to a bunch of churches who are also getting a little too comfortable. Getting a little too comfortable with, with what's going on in their world and being tempted to to start bowing down and giving their allegiance to political power and economic prosperity. Does that sound familiar at all? See, it's not just for those who are suffering. It's for all of us. So, myth number three. 
Number four, Revelation is unrelated to the rest of the Bible. You know, it's at the very back, and it's so weird, and it doesn't seem like it fits with all the rest of it. And we already have Paul and Jesus and, you know, Old Testament stories. We don't really need this. It's kind of, you know, it's like, it's like you have a burger and fries, and you have that big pickle, you know, on the side. And, and, uh, and, you know, the pickle's like, it's not really part of the meal. It's just kind of this thing that if you're into that, if you're into that kind of thing, you, you like that. But you don't need it to have a burger and fries, right? That's how we think of Revelation. It's just this extra add-on. Sure, if you're into that, great. You know? But actually, that's a myth. Revelation has more Old Testament allusions than any other New Testament book. It's more infiltrated with the Old Testament. It's the Old Testament coming alive, fulfilled. Revelation actually, arguably, has the most developed doctrine of God. The best understanding of God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three and one, one and three. It's in Revelation. Revelation, it actually pulls together from beginning to end the whole story of God's, God's creation and, and redemption that is fulfilled in Jesus, the Lamb who dies and who rises and, and who will come again to make a new heaven and new earth. Revelation brings it all together. See, Revelation is not the pickle. It's the bun. It's pulling everything together. If you want to have that, that meal, you need it. We need it. It's for us. And it brings it together. And the last one. Hey, it's getting clear. I'm starting to be able to see. I'm starting to be able to see you. This is good. Number five. Revelation is irrelevant to following Jesus today. It doesn't really help us follow Jesus today. Well, I hope you're already starting to see the ways it does. The ways it is relevant. The words it says. Revelation was written to people in a chaotic time. People who didn't know how to, how to interact with the government at the time. People who had felt cultural pressure to conform and live according to what everyone else said and fall into the allure of economic prosperity and, and, and political power as the means to a fulfilled life. Revelation speaks to that kind of world. Does that sound familiar? That might be applicable to us. Y'all can come up. When I, when I, when I prepare this, this, this uh, sermon series, I, I read a little paragraph kind of describing where we're going to go. See if this sounds relevant to you. In Revelation, the message is clear and convicting. God is the one true God. Evil is real and seeks our allegiance. Jesus, the slaughtered lamb, has conquered evil and one day will fully destroy evil. And the Spirit is calling the church to conquer along with the lamb by following him and his faithful witness even unto death. This is the invitation of Revelation his kingdom is coming. He's the true king. Will we live accordingly? My hope is you would come on this journey and see that it is relevant to us today. No more myths. Nothing in the way. Let's step in and see what God has for us as we acknowledge him as king. Let's stand and sing to that king. Amen. Amen. One quick announcement. Uh, we are starting something new this semester called Life Groups. And we've heard a, a cry in students to have mentor relationships with staff and faculty and, and around scripture and in prayer and with peers. So it's on screen here, hopefully. Uh, you, can, you can take a picture of it if you want. Or we're going to send an email out uh, to all, all campus uh, probably tomorrow morning. And you'll get word out different ways. But if you're interested in signing up, there's a Google Doc. You can, you can choose uh, there's a leader with a time and a place. If you want to sign up for a group, grab a couple friends. Sign up for a group of six weeks only, just from now until spring break. It's boundaried, an hour a week. Get grow with each other, with Jesus. 
book of scripture with a great, one of these wonderful staff faculty folks. We're going to, we're just trying this semester to see, I don't know, if, you got, if you're interested, maybe they'll fill up quickly, I'm not sure, but we're excited to see what happens, and uh, if there is a lot of interest, we'll keep going again in the fall and, and expand this to even more opportunities. Great to worship God with you today. So go from here, knowing that God is the one true God and King, and by God's grace and by His Spirit, may we live accordingly. Amen. Have a great day.